2019, St. Louis Blues defeated the Boston Bruins in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, and that was a historic time for our city in a time of celebration and joy. And uh, one of the things I like to do every once in a while is get on YouTube and re-watch some of the highlights from Game 7. And I usually go to the last minute or two, mostly just to see the celebration again, just to give myself some joy there. You know, it's four to one, and they, they put the video on the head coach, and of course he's looking really serious, but on the inside he's really happy, he's not going to show it. And then it gets closer and closer to the time, and then all of these guys suddenly start jumping up and down. And it's just, it gives me goosebumps every time to see that. Um, and recently I watched it again, and I was watching the video on YouTube, and the commentator said something that I didn't catch when I was watching it live. And uh, after the game was over, he mentioned that the hockey players on both sides, they get in line and they shake each other's hands. And the commentator said that only in professional hockey, it's the only major sport where the players shake hands after a playoff series, whether you win or lose, to show honor and respect. It's a way of showing honor and respect. One of the teachings of the Bible is that one of the biggest ways we show honor and respect to God is by being thankful. Psalm 9 is about being thankful. And in our personal lives, whenever we're going through sin or suffering, or when we examine our country, or the nations around us who don't obey God, we, we wonder where, where are things going? We might be tempted to feel angst about the future, or angst about our country, or angst about our own personal lives. And that angst is normal. But one of the things we learn from this psalm is despite any trouble or any difficulty that you're going through, we must continue to thank God. We should regularly be thanking God in our own personal lives and corporately as a church for the work that he's doing, even when we can't see it. I bring this up because we're doing a sermon series in the book of Psalms. We're calling it Summer Psalms, and right now we're on Psalm 9. Psalm 9 has uh, lament and praise. It's, it's a hodgepodge of many different aspects, but we're going to be zeroing uh, in on the, the theme of thankfulness. And this psalm is written by King David. Uh, Seventy or so of the psalms were. He is, at this point, the king of Israel, the nation of Israel. And we don't know specifically everything that happened, but he, he and his, uh, the Israelites were rescued from the enemies. They were delivered. So as a result of that, he writes a psalm or a song to thank God for God's wonderful work of delivering him and the nation of Israel. But as you see in the psalm, they're, they're, they're still in pain and hardship. Uh, you could read the psalms and see a theme of praise and thankfulness. And you're like, wow, I'm supposed to thank God and praise God. 
But then the next psalm, there's all this suffering and lament and crying, and then things get better, and then they get worse, and then they get better. It's kind of like that in the psalms. And it's kind of like that in our own personal lives. And one of, the, one of the lessons we see is that regardless of what you're going through, we must practice thanks to God. And we see that right away in verse, verse 1 where the psalmist writes, he says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. He's saying, I will give thanks to the Lord. This could be read present tense right now, thanking God, or I will in the future continue to thank God. And he says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. He doesn't say, I will give thanks to the Lord with my lips. Uh, In the Bible, the, the heart is not the physical organ in your body that pumps blood to the rest of your body. But the heart is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for your intellect, your emotions, your will, your desires, your inner being, the core of who you are. That's why in Deuteronomy 6, 5, we read that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus picks up on that theme in the New Testament. The idea that we're supposed to love God with all that we are. And the psalmist is saying, I'm thanking God from the depths of my soul, from my heart. This is not just a a lip service thing. This is not an external account. This is not just a show. This is a genuine, heartfelt, inward thanks to God for who God is and what he has done in the psalmist's life. And he's thankful to God. If you've studied the life of David, you notice that there's ups and downs. He's faithful, then he's not. He feels God's presence, then he doesn't. He's successful, then he fails. It's up and down. But he's still learning to be thankful during his present circumstances. I was reading quickly about evergreen trees, and why do they call it evergreen? Well, one thing I learned about evergreen trees is that evergreen trees are always green. I learned that. You didn't have to just look at the name, I guess. And so I read about evergreen trees, and I thought, um, in, in the winter when it's freezing, they're still green. Summer, it's really hot, still green. Spring rain, still green. Beautiful weather in the fall, still green. Other trees can't say that, but evergreen trees can say, if they could talk, I'm green all year round, no matter what. This illustration is helpful with respect to thankfulness to God. No matter what, I go through, I need to be thankful to God. Through the success of fall and spring, through the lows of the storms of winter or other seasons of life, this thankfulness, this gratitude should characterize the people of God regardless of circumstances because although there are a lot of things wrong with us and our world, there's nothing wrong with God and God is worthy of thankfulness 
regardless of circumstances. Sometimes younger people ask, and if you're in youth ministry or you work with younger adults, you should be prepared to answer this kind of question. You know, what's the will of God for my life? It's a good question. Usually the context is, should I marry this person? Should I go to this college? Should I accept this job? And those are really good questions. But when the Bible talks about will, often it's talking about ethics. It's connected to being godly. And here we see that in 1 Thessalonians, where the Apostle Paul writes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, starting in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There it is. The will of God is to be thankful in all circumstances. That's at least part of the will of God for his people. Um, being thankful is simple, but it's not easy. Especially true if you grew up in a home that was particularly, there was a lot of cynicism, there was abuse, there was yelling. Uh, the first 18 years of our lives are unbelievably crucial and it's often difficult to recover. It's not, it's not easy to be thankful all the time, especially when we don't understand what's going on. If there's anything I've learned about being thankful or growing in gratitude, and I would not consider myself one who's naturally really good at this, I would say it just, it takes conscientiousness. Uh, you think of someone who's trying to lose weight, uh, five pounds, 10 pounds, 50 pounds, um, when someone enters a diet, they don't necessarily do great in every meal. But when they, when they start a diet, and I know this because I've done a lot, um, I become unbelievably conscientious about what I eat throughout the day. I still fail. I still eat what I'm not supposed to, but I'm more aware of it. And I think it's similar with that, that, that God does so many wonderful, amazing things in our lives, often we, we just miss it sometimes. And one thing that helps is a little bit more conscientiousness of thinking, being deliberately seeing the hand of God and thanking Him immediately. I'm talking about stuff like ice. In many countries today, they, they don't even have access to ice. A church building to sit in. Many church planters who are starting churches would, would just absolutely love a building. Sleep, exercise, the little things. If we, if we don't learn to thank God for the little things, we won't necessarily be ready to thank Him for the big things. And then if we do, we, we're just ready for the next thing. Oh, what's next? Or we're more concerned about the present trial. Look, look what I'm going through now. Thank you for last week, but look at now. Being thankful to God, recounting, as the psalmist says, telling, counting, thinking about the ways that God is working in your life and being deliberately thankful for it. And not only is this psalmist David thankful, but his acts of thanksgiving leads to praise and singing. So he says, verse 2, he says, I will be glad, verse 2, and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name 
O Most High. Verse 1, he's thankful. Verse 2, he's glad. The thankfulness leads to gladness. Thanksgiving leads to joy. And now, now he's, he's singing praises to God. He's thankful to God. Notice he doesn't say, I will be glad and exult in you because I have great health. He doesn't say, I will sing praise to your name because my marriage and children are just perfect. No doubt throughout the Psalms we see specific praises and thanks because of a direct action of God. But as soon as they are rescued from something, there's something else that comes out. And so what the psalmist is doing is, is thanking God for deliverance, yes, but if we, we only thank God for the times where he bails us out, or the times where we most manifestly see his hand, that this practice of thankfulness through the good and bad might, might lose us. We might not be able to practice it well. So, so what the psalmist is doing is thanking God for deliverance, but also thanking God for his character, his works, his essence, his being. He's glorious and great and grand and perfect. So he's saying, I'm going to thank you, God, regardless of what I'm going through, because you are good. You are the most perfect reality in this entire universe. And though sometimes we want to be thankful, sometimes there's circumstances that may prevent us or may try to stop us. I learned this recently when my wife and I recently had our baby. And it was a Monday morning. And we are getting up and we're going to have baby, praise God. And uh, we get to the point where my wife is feeling a lot of contractions and she can have a hard time walking. And then someone sees us as we're walking inside at the hospital, and they're like, hey, do you want me to get you a wheelchair? My wife's like, no. And 10 seconds later, my wife's like, will you go grab me a wheelchair? I was like, that lady was just, okay, so I, I go grab the wheelchair. Um, I run inside. I'm really tempted to scream, my wife is having a baby, just to make it really dramatic, and I didn't. Um, so grab the wheelchair, and we go upstairs to the, the room where it's labor and delivery, and... Uh, one of the ladies sees me. She's like, all right, sir, uh, can you take this wheelchair downstairs? I'll take her on the wheelchair. I was like, ma'am, I'm her husband, not an employee of the hospital. Uh, and so I'm feeling very thankful in that moment. Maybe not so much. And then, uh, so wife is in pain, that kind of thing. And then she's sitting there, and we're, we're in the, the delivery room. It says labor and delivery everywhere. And this employee, she said, Okay, so what brings you guys in this morning? I was, I was like, Lord, please don't let anybody ask me what I do for a living right now. I didn't say anything wrong. My nonverbal communication wasn't the best. And so we get to the room. Everything's fine by the time we get into the room. So I have a choice in that moment. Okay, am I going to let that bother me? on this massively big day, or am I just going to let it go and be thankful to God that we're here safely and soundly? 
So I had a choice. Now, this whole you have a choice movement can be taken too far because we need God. We need God's help. But there is wisdom in this idea of you have a choice. Because even if you, and this is vacation season, you, you spend all this money and you really want to bless your kids on vacation, and there's all this complaining about food and drink, and then someone gets sunburnt, and there's, there's issues that come up, even with the most glorious things in life that we want to do. There's stuff that comes up. And we cannot allow the sin or pettiness or Satan or our own personal stuff to stop us from thanking God. So in those moments, we, we have a choice. I'm, I'm experiencing pettiness. I'm experiencing sin. I feel like my circumstances are against me. Am I going to choose to thank God? Because I know he's good and working all things out for my good, even though I don't see it? Or am I going to succumb to self-pity? We must choose to be thankful and not rely on everyone else for our joy. We must thank God regardless of what's going on. This is one of the most practical ways to grow in the faith, is to express thankfulness and gratitude to God on a regular basis. And notice this thankfulness is not just an individual thing. It's also a communal thing. Verse 11, the psalmist says, Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. He's thankful leads to gladness, it leads to singing, and then he mentions telling about your deeds. Uh, thankfulness is one of the most evangelistic things we could do. If you work around people and you're very thankful and you have joy and gladness, you're going to be setting a good example and shining your light and people will take notice of that. And what the psalmist is doing here is he's, he's not just calling upon individual thanksgiving to God, but communal thanksgiving to God. He's saying, hey, all of the nation of Israel, join me, sing with me. This is not just for me, this is for our people as well. And th then we see this theme of judgment in this psalm, judgment of other nations, And I know for some of us, we feel fear about our own nation and our own country and a wonderful, amazing, prosperous country that was in part formed by Christian values. And now it seems or it feels from our perspective that many are deviating away from these values. Communities of people, organizations. I was doing some personal research on what life was like uh, before the 1900s. And what I learned really struck me was that um, before the 1900s, life was pretty much horrible everywhere. That might be a slight overstatement, but it was barbaric. I mean, people died young all the time. I mean, most societies were two, two bad crops, two bad harvests away from starvation. 
If you lived past 40, you lived long. And, and then the 1900s come, around the 1860s actually, where, where things start to skyrocket economically in so many countries, and our, our country is one of them. And I bring that up because a lot of you come from the, this era of the 1900s, and so your generation was the very first generation, one of the first ones ever to experience this amazing economic prosperity. So things went way up. And you know that your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did not have the opportunities that you had. And you're so unbelievably thankful. But now you're looking at the next generations and you're thinking, are, are they going to appreciate this country as much as I do? Are these people going to honor God with their lives or are they going to rebel against God? This is not right. This is not what my ancestors worked for. So I think part of the sense is that fear is wondering, will the next generations honor God or be thankful to him? Will the nations, other nations, continue to ignore God or not? And that is a theme here in this passage as well. We see the judgment of God on his enemies. Verse 4, for you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The nations have sunk in the pit that they have made. And the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has himself made known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. So don't you see the angst that you feel is exactly what the angst is describing in this Bible, in, in Psalm 9? What God is saying is that nobody, nobody gets away with anything. And God is patient, and he gives opportunity for people to repent and believe in Christ. But for those who don't, those who don't come to Christ and believe in Jesus, God is the judge of those people. God is not a pushover. He's not a wimp. He doesn't just throw sin under the rug. So strangely, what's encouraging is that God sees those who defy him. God is on his throne. His timing is not our timing. But he has allotted a day where he will judge. And those who do not turn from sin and believe in Christ will experience his wrath. That's what we see in Romans chapter 12 verse 9 where Paul says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. In Exodus, one of the most repeated verses in all of Scripture comes from Exodus 34, 6 through 7, where we, we learn, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. What we see here is that God is the judge. And so a response to that is to take refuge in him. To seek joy and peace and a sense of security in him, not necessarily what's going on around us. The response is to live peaceably with those who disagree with you on various issues. You, you believe what you believe. You don't, you don't cower away from the Christian faith. But we also live peaceably with opponents. Why? Because God is the judge and our job is not to. We don't, we don't, we might feel initial worry, we might feel initial anxiety about the coming generations, but we, we cast that upon the Lord and we realize, God, I'm not, I'm not going to worry. You're the God who judges. You're the God who reigns. Yes, I want to see prosperity again, but Lord, we know all things in your hands. We know that you're infinite and wise. We trust your wise judgments. And all of this is led to encourage us to thank God for his character, for his works, for the fact that he doesn't let sin go unpunished. This, we see this judgment in the psalm is meant to provide those who have trusted in Christ peace and joy and thanksgiving. There's a story about Corey Ten Boom. Corey is a female, and she was uh, in a German prison cell, barracks, uh, with her sister Betsy. And they put her and her sister in a really poor barracks prison cell. This was a time of much injustice to her people. And uh, they put her in a cell where there was fleas everywhere. I mean, fleas everywhere. Imagine being sitting in a cell and there's fleas everywhere. and you can't, you can't escape it. There's enough room for multiple people. And one morning, her and her sister Betsy got up and they read their Bible and they did their devotional time. And they got to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. The verse I quoted earlier. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And Betsy looked at Corey and said, why don't we stop right now and thank God for these fleas? Corey said, no, that sounds insane. Why would I thank God for fleas? And Betsy kept persisting. Let's, it says right here in the Bible, be thankful for everything. We're in the cell, there's fleas, let's thank God. So Betsy's like, oh, okay, let's thank God. So they, they stop and they thank God for fleas. And throughout their months in this prison cell, they were, they were, they were shocked beyond measure to be able to have open Bible study and prayer with other women in a time and an era and a location that it was frowned upon. But they were able to continue to seek God, pray, and read Scripture. And several months later, they found out why. 
The reason why is because the prison guards did not want to enter their prison cell because of all the fleas. Something that is so annoying to us, something like fleas, that we think that there's no way that God could be doing anything good with this. There's no way I'm thanking God for this. But behind the scenes, God was working to allow them to continue to have Bible study and prayer. This is why we should thank God in everything because we just don't know how he could be using this for our good. On Thursday night before Christ died, he was with his disciples and there was a last supper. There was bread, there was a cup and Jesus stopped and what did he do? Gave thanks. Then he broke the bread that was an illustration for his body on the cross the next afternoon where he died on the cross in our place and for our sins. The judgment that we deserve, Christ took upon him. The wrath of God that we're supposed to experience, Christ said, no, 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 I'll go for you. Just believe in me. That's all you have to do. You don't have to work for this. I will purchase your salvation. And he bleeds on the cross And for those who turn from sin and trust in Christ, all sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, and you have a right relationship with your Creator forever. Regardless of anything that you might be going through, if you're a Christian and you've trusted in Christ, your right relationship with God is something to be thankful for now and until eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. Please forgive us for our ingratitude. Please forgive us for our murmuring and our grumbling. Help us, Lord, to turn to you. Help us, Lord, to be a thankful people, a thankful community. How much joy we forfeit because we don't stop to thank you. Please help us to be more conscientious throughout the day to be more aware of your hand and to stop privately, humbly, maybe even whisper thanks to you all throughout our days as we see your hand. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.